This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Tim Welch to the program. How you doing, Tim? Very good, Bob. Good to hear you again. Yes, good to talk to you after many years. Years ago, when uh, Historian's producer Dave Green and I uh, were at WGY Radio, Tim Welch was the popular, and I do say popular, TV weatherman at WRGB Television in the Albany market. And we were in the same building, so we would see Tim and he'd see us. And then Tim Welch left uh, CBS 6, as it's now called, in 1987, started Welch Public Communications. He set up Laser Picks in the Saratoga Mall in 1992 as a graphic art studio of his a PR firm, and he's active in his uh, community. In fact, we'll uh, discuss this with him during the podcast. He's president of the Friends of Grant Cottage. Uh, that will figure in this story in a few minutes. And Tim Welch is producer of a one-hour documentary on the 200-year history of the town of Wilton, New York. It's the story, uh, as, as you frame it, I believe, of the competition between the Saratoga County town of Wilton and its more famous neighbor, uh, Saratoga Springs. Is that so? Well, I think that's a very good summary of what the documentary is about uh, and the fact that uh, uh, up until the time, oh, about 1964-65, when the Adirondack Northway went by both Saratoga Springs and Wilton and sort of bisected the town, uh, at that point, uh, there began a competition for who was going to benefit or perhaps be victimized by the Adirondack Northway. Um, so that that's kind of, there was a, a history that occurred for, oh, let's say 140 years before the Northway went through. And then there was a kind of a spectacular change that occurred when that interstate highway went through Saratoga County. Yeah. Um it was interesting. I never quite thought of it the way that uh, it's discussed in your documentary with all these uh, people uh, from Wilton or uh, affiliated with Wilton or who uh, helped uh, Wilton's, uh, you couldn't really call it a resurgence. I mean, it was historically a small town. I mean, Saratoga Springs, going back to the 1800s, was a resort community, but the government in, in Wilton really took advantage of this new highway. Um, in fact, they had two Northway exits, in a sense, to work with. They did one thing at one exit and another thing at the other. What, what did they do? Well, they more or less decided that exit uh, 15 would be pretty much all retail and commercial in that sense, and that exit 16 would be uh, business industrial and warehousing and uh, that's the way it is pretty much shaked out. And because Saratoga Springs did not want to put commercial development at the entrance to the city at exit 14, which was the, the entrance to the track, because they wanted to keep that, quote, pristine, uh, developers who wanted access to the Saratoga Springs, the greater Saratoga marketplace for commercial purposes, put their stores and restaurants and um, malls uh, at exit 15 and were quite welcomed by the town fathers of Wilton at that time. Mm. And one of the uh, interviews you have in the documentary is with Charles Waite of the Adirondack Trust. And um, 
in a sense, I mean, these aren't his words, but I get the impression that uh, maybe Wilton surprised Saratoga Springs. They're building uh, a mall and, and all these stores, which at first had a kind of detrimental effect on Saratoga Springs. Yeah, I don't think people realize, uh, you and I probably remember it, but back during the early 70s, there was a major uh, gas crisis in 1973, the Arab oil embargo. And uh, uh, people weren't sure that they were going to be able to get gasoline. And a lot of people who would normally go to the track during the summertime from New York City and Boston and other places distant, uh, a lot of people didn't come to the track because they weren't sure they could get enough uh, gasoline to get back. So the track really suffered kind the track and consequently Saratoga Springs suffered somewhat of a, a depression in 73 and 74. And it was in 73 that something called the Pyramid Mall was built in Wilton. And the combination of those two events emptied out 50 percent of the stores on Broadway in Saratoga Springs. Hmm. Uh, you, uh, another person you interview in the documentary is Larry Gordon, who was a surveyor, and it's quite dramatic. He's, uh, you see, you see him in the documentary looking at maps of Wilton. And in 1960, when the population is like 1900, um, today it's about 16, 17,000. But, but anyway, it, it was uh, forest land in, in large part, wasn't it? Yeah, there were uh, state forest preserves that had been developed in the center of Saratoga County, and they had planted a lot of trees. And um, that's essentially what was there before um, a golf course was built called McGregor Links Country Club. Uh, And then when the Northway went through, as I said, there began the realization that uh, a lot of what uh, a lot of people could have relatively inexpensive housing uh, because it was cheaper to buy the land. There was all sandy soil, so you could uh, have housing developments or, or just individual houses that didn't need sewers because you had great sandy soil for septic systems. And it basically, you had a lot of people who wanted to live in Saratoga County along the Northway. They wanted to live in proximity to this exciting town called Saratoga Springs, but they couldn't necessarily afford the city itself. So uh, entrepreneurs, developers developed housing, residential housing, and the consequent commercial development that people need, like grocery stores, near that housing. And that was the development of the town of Wilton, Uh, all of it um, by accident and in some ways by intention, um, the accident of its geography next to uh, the desirable city known as Saratoga Springs. Mm. Uh, and you uh, call the what's happened since the resurgence of Saratoga County. It's become uh, one, one of the, or if not the most prosperous county in upstate New York. Well, there was a, one of the things that I included in the documentary was mention of a, uh, a study that came out in December of last year by a Washington, D.C.-based think tank that had uh, ranked the 62 counties of New York State and many other states around the uh, the country, and the irony was that the, um, the 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 most prosperous and well-to-do and most desirable county to live in, and some of this is subjective, of course, uh, listed in this um, survey, uh, was um, Saratoga County, and the least desirable was right next door 
where we were born uh, in Montgomery County. Yeah. Um, and, and I found that to be kind of a painful irony. Yes. And uh, you do address the, the question with some of the, you know, the speakers, the, like the business leaders and so on of, of Wilton and Saratoga County. Uh, pe- people are always worrying about the, what's next. Uh, I mean, is Amazon, uh, for example, going to uh, kill Exit 15? I mean, people know, and that wouldn't just be Exit 15 that it would uh, kill. It would be uh, retail uh, stores all over. And Exit 16, which is populated by the Ace and Target warehouses that service other retail locations Mm. throughout the Northeast. So uh, in many ways, um, uh, there is a uh, dangerous dependency on retail that Wilton has decided to take advantage of. But, of course, it's it's also a dangerous dependency to be uh, dependent on uh, one sport like – horse racing uh, <laughs> next door. Right. Um, so, I mean, in many ways, uh, it's a series of opportunistic ad, uh, advantages that they took, that the town fathers took advantage of in both cases. But in many ways, as Charles Wake pointed out in the documentary, uh, both communities, Saratoga Springs and Wilton, have taken advantage of various opportunities. And while they have... Um, uh, moaned and decried one another for um, being too conscious of development or not conscious enough about economic development in some cases. They have benefited from sort of a symbiotic relationship where uh, one provides uh, um, some shopping areas uh, and some inexpensive housing, and the other one provides an exciting place to be. Uh, not only in August, but throughout the year. Do you uh, live in Wilton, or is your business in Wilton? Well, one of my the business that you mentioned, Laser Picks, the graphic art studio, was in that Pyramid Mall, which became the Saratoga Mall, and then it was knocked down, and that was in Wilton. But I live in Saratoga Springs, and this is where I moved to after leaving CBS 6 in 1987. How did you Public get communications is now uh, 31 years old? Yeah, that is remarkable. That's a, that's a, not a lifetime, but it's a good part of a lifetime, right? There's life after broadcasting, as you know. <laughs> it's true. Um, how did you get to do is this doc, documentary about the history of, of Wilton, Wilton 200? The town is 200 years old or was formed 200 years ago. Was this produced by the town or how, how did how was this funded? This was funded uh, in a grant. Uh, the, the, the town put a bicentennial commission together and went to some of the people who do business in the town and asked them for contributions to the bicentennial fund. And that bicentennial fund uh, does indeed uh, finance various events that are going to occur throughout 2018 to mark the 200th anniversary of the founding of the town. And this documentary was funded by that uh, Bicentennial Commission. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, you could name a number of uh, people that are in the documentary. But one that I was very interested to see, and I interviewed him you know, years ago and, and over the years, uh, is Roy McDonald. He really had a lot to do with this development of Wilton, did he not? He really did. And... Uh, it's kind kind of important. Uh, he has an important story that I didn't have time to talk about in the uh, 
documentary, but he is a combat veteran of Vietnam. And when he got out of Vietnam in the early 1970s, 1971, um, he, uh, ironically enough, um, uh, got a degree, a master's degree in economics from SUNY Oneonta, where I have taught full time for the past 15 years. And we had become good friends as a result of that connection. So in many ways, I owe uh, Roy McDonald for allowing me to do this documentary. But it was his background, uh, work, uh, having that degree in economics, working for IBM, working for Payne Weber, which you might know as a financial services firm, and where he sold um, uh, municipal bonds. Um, he had a, a rather... Uh, elaborate uh, financial background, and he saw the value of um, uh, the uh, uh, placement of uh, Wilton uh, next to two prominent Northway exits. And uh, he basically said, hey, if uh, Saratoga Springs doesn't want that mall, we'll take it. Mm. And he was a supervisor for many years, also served in the state assembly and the state senate. That's right. He was supervisor of Wilton for 23 years during that period of time of its exponential growth. And uh, then he went on to be uh, an assemblyman taking over for Bobby DeAndre, who you may remember, and then mm-hmm. taking over the spot for Joe that Joe Bruno had occupied. Mm. We'll be back with uh, Tim Welch in just a moment. We're talking with him about the history of Wilton, New York, a town in Saratoga County. Tim has uh, produced and uh, narrated a new documentary on that. We're also uh, going to discuss with uh, Tim what's going on at the U.S. Grant Cottage, because as a uh, volunteer, uh, Tim is the president of the Friends of the uh, uh, Grant Cottage, an important American historic site. You're listening to the Historian's Podcast, and we depend on your contributions to keep going with the podcast. It's easy to donate online. Go to gofundme.com forward slash historians2018. And once you get to the website, it's very easy to make a donation. If you're not inclined to donate money online or that, that you know, you'd rather do it through the mail, you can do that too. You can uh, make out a check to me, Bob Cudmore, and send to Bob Cudmore, 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Tim Welch joins us, who is uh, president of the Friends of uh, Grant's Cottage, which we're going to talk about now. Uh, but, but before we do, where is the documentary available or uh, where can, uh, uh, do you have any scheduled showings coming up? Well, we are going to have uh, some showings coming up, but uh, the documentary is available at Town Hall for $15. It's a uh, in DVD form, and um, we're encouraging people to... Uh, um, purchase it as a way to contribute to uh, paying back many of the merchants who have funded this bicentennial year. Now, in the documentary, you also take up the the story of uh, American general and American president Ulysses S. Grant, who spent his last days at a cottage in the uh, Adirondacks. Um, I hate to be such a stickler. Uh, You drive to Grant's Cottage, as it's called, 
uh, through Wilton. The I believe the address is in Wilton, but it, it's actually in a in the town of Moreau, is it not? That's right. Um, and uh, the town of Moreau has been very generous to us as well over the years. We're a not-for-profit friends group that uh, operates the cottage uh, about six months of the year because back in the early 1980s, Bob, the um, state was going to close Grant Cottage on more or less the 100th anniversary of when uh, the 18th president of the United States died there. And in uh, in in 1985, they were going to close it because they the state it was in financial difficulty and they didn't want they didn't have the uh, state resources to keep it open. And so the friends group that I'm a president of came forward and said, we'll keep the place open if you just maintain the cottage. We'll uh, uh, we'll charge people five bucks a pop to go through it and get, we'll give them a specialized tour of where uh, the man who saved the union spent the last six weeks of his life. Uh, dying of throat cancer and completing his memoirs. Uh, and after he completed his memoirs, his wife got the equivalent of $11 million in a check from Mark Twain, who published it the following year. Hmm. C- can you uh, elaborate on how it was that uh, Grant came to that specific place? or And, and who encouraged It was Twain, wasn't it, who uh, kind of got him to do this or thought that was the only way he would be able to get the, the book done? Well, it was the Drexel family that actually owned the cottage, and Arkell, which which owned the Beechnut uh, Meatpacking Company in Canajoharie, uh, Arkell and uh, Drexel were business partners, and they built this big hotel called the Balmoral up at the top of the uh, mountain and built a train, a narrow-gauge train, from Saratoga Springs to Mount McGregor to get people. F- they figured this was, this was uh, the highest point in Saratoga County and a much better vantage point to see the uh, the county and the Adirondacks and the Green Mountains and everything. And so they they built uh, the hotel up at the top to try to uh, take some of Saratoga Springs business away uh, uh, in the summertime. And so um, Arkell and, um, and Drexel knew uh, Grant. Everybody knew Grant, of course, but they invited him up when they read in the New York Times that he was dying of throat cancer. And there was a heat wave going on in New York City that summer where it got up to 100 degrees a couple of days. And his doctor said, uh, we got to get you out of here. Or you're not going to last long enough to finish the book. So he took a train ride up to uh, Mount McGregor and spent five and a half weeks at Drexel Cottage completing his memoirs. Grant, uh, Twain had made a deal with, with Grant, uh, convincing him to not do it with uh, another company that had offered him 10% of the profits. Instead, um, Twain would give him a $25,000 advance and give him 70% of the profits. Uh, and that's what happened. And, and so Twain was up there at least once uh, mm-hmm. rooting Grant on to finish Volume 2. And while he was up there, uh, Grant wanted to make some changes in Volume 1. And, and Twain says, no way, you don't have the time. Uh, you're going to you're going to be lucky if you survive to the end of volume two, which, of course, he did. And he died three days after completing the manuscript. Mm. It's, you know, uh, reading some things about this, I get the impression, I mean, he, he's dying, but it, 
it was uh, what they call in the modern times a good death. I mean, it almost kind of reminds me of the hospice movement. I mean, as opposed to being hooked up to machines and so forth, which I don't believe they would have done in the 1800s anyway. He, his family, they're all over the country, but they all kind of congregate there. They come to the cottage, and he's he's with people that he knows and, and loves and doing something that means a lot to him in the, in the last days of his life. Well, that's a very good point, and uh, we like to think that uh, Grant won his final battles on top of Mount McGregor. He he beat uh, poverty by writing something that is that still last year sold fifty thousand copies. The Grant's memoirs. Some people say it's one of the finest pieces of military uh, uh, chronicling in uh, in history, other than Caesar's Chronicles. Mm. Um, and he also beat uh, throat cancer by living long enough to to uh, accomplish goal number one. And after he died, his, you know, supporters who were legion, I mean, lots of people, uh, felt, you know, fellow soldiers, maybe primarily, at first they they took to almost guarding the place, you know, made it kind of a shrine. Yes, well, there were uh, uh, souvenir hunters that uh, everybody was afraid that uh, because of the great man had died there, and there were a, a million veterans, Union veterans of the uh, of the Civil War, who uh, some many of whom made uh, Mount McGregor a pilgrimage. Uh, that a lot of veterans and wore their GAR Grand Army of the Republic badges, sometimes their uniforms, and they would camp out on the mountain, basically to guard the cottage against looters. This there is there's also some evidence that uh, for. Several years thereafter, especially in 1907 and 1915, there were conventions that were held in Saratoga Springs, primarily of um, uh, of Union veterans organizations, primarily because going up the Grant Cottage was a part of the itinerary. Now, getting back in a way to the documentary in the in the town of Wilton, which is observing its bicentennial this year. There's going to be a Civil War weekend later this summer at uh, Grant Cottage. Can you uh, tell us about that? Yes. Technically, it's not going to be at the cottage, but it'll be in sight of the cottage. We've done something similar at the cottage for the past few years, but something of the scale that we're planning this August 11th and 12th requires that we go off-site to a plot of land that used to be the Wilton Developmental Center, uh, if you remember that, mm-hmm. um, 137 acre piece of land with a uh, a big uh, hospital type uh, fortress in the middle of it, and it's now uh, owned by the D. A. Collins Construction Company, and we're going to have a bicentennial commemoration there of the 85 or so Wilton residents who served in the Civil War, and we will also have nearly a hundred Civil War reenactors. 30 of whom will be dressed in gray coming from Montreal. Um, we'll have four cannons. We'll have about a dozen cavalry horses, and we will have mock battle scenarios, as they're called, to um, celebrate the bicentennial, the Wilton residents who participated in the Civil War, and to showcase Grant Cottage um, now that we're 130 three years beyond the time that Grant died there. And that's you can all... actually see the cottage from this piece of land, which is on Ballard Road, 
at exit 16 of the Northway. So this is on August 11th and 12th, a Saturday and Sunday, Civil War weekend, uh, part of the Wilton Bicentennial observance taking place at the, uh, it's called the D.A. Collins property, you say, on Yes. In Wilton. Well, that really sounds uh, fascinating. And do you, is there some place online people can get more information about that? Well, obviously, the best place to go for information about everything I've said has been uh, grantcottage.org, which is our website. And uh, right on the front, there's a uh, some reference to the Civil War weekend, and you can click on that to learn more inside the website. Tim Welch uh, joins us. We have a few minutes left on this edition of the Historian's Podcast. Back to your uh, uh, documentary on the history of Wilton. Uh, This is before General Grant, before uh, the creation of the town of Wilton in 1818. In the documentary, you speak with, I believe, the local Wilton historian about something that's called the Battle of Wilton that didn't take place in the 1800s or even the 1700s, but in the the end of the 1600s, 1693? Yes, King William's War, uh, something I didn't know very much about. I mean, I, I had heard about the burning of Schenectady, uh, the Schenectady stockade uh, around this same time uh, when I lived in Schenectady and worked in Schenectady with you. Uh, at WGY, but I, I didn't really know that that was the first real mention of something called the town of Wilton when um, people from, well, Philip Schuyler from a stockade in, um, you know, Fort Orange, uh, what is now Albany, and the Schenectady stockade sent some people, probably Dutch, um, uh, and they used some Indians to try to uh, get rid of the French and the French-Indian um uh, allies, uh, there was a battle in the town of Wilton, uh, where there were oh, a couple hundred casualties or so, maybe only less than a dozen were killed, but, uh, it was the first real mention of the town of Wilton during what was then called King William's war, which was a battle for that corridor that has become so famous um, in the American, in the French and Indian War, and in the American uh, Revolutionary War, that 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 watery corridor of the Hudson River on up to Lake George, and then Lake Champlain, mm-hmm. and into Canada, that was uh, the strategy to, uh, you know, that was the water route, the most uh, efficient route to get from Canada into uh, to the Atlantic Ocean through New York State, and. It was the, uh, also the way that they attempted, the British attempted to divide the colonies during the American Revolutionary War and why the Battle of Saratoga in 1777 was so important when mm. we stopped the British there. Yeah, and the importance of, um, I don't know, geography and also transportation. Uh, it, to me, there's a certain... With the developments occurred along the Northway, I mean, it just shows that it, it's still an important route. You know, you've, you've got to get from here to there, here maybe being Albany and there being Montreal. And in many ways, you know, it's not always necessarily true, as in the case of our hometown of Amsterdam or Gloversville or Rome uh, or other places that uh, were bypassed by the throughway during the mid-50s, uh, 
that uh, that began the beginning of the end of uh, some of those uh, commercial cities. And when they were bypassed by this road, uh, the road could have, I suppose, been a shot in the arm for some of those cities. Or, I mean, it, it also, when you take a look at uh, the Adirondack Northway, a lot of um, it used to be Route 9 was the main road north um, into the Adirondacks and and perhaps up to uh, Canada. Uh, and a lot of businesses perished on Route 9 as a result of the Northway being developed. So it's not always a foregone conclusion that transportation will yield wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can also take it away. Uh, so it, it requires uh, uh, aggressive action by uh, local planners and uh, community leaders. Well, Tim Welch, we're just uh, out of time. If you'd like uh, information on the uh, Civil War weekend at near Grant's Cottage, go to grantcottage.org. Stop by the Wilton Town Hall uh, to get a copy of the uh, 200th anniversary documentary of the town of Wilton. This has been the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.